Hey everybody, welcome back to Striking Kicks. I've got Kenzie here. Hey guys. And myself, Chayton Peterson, co-owners of Championship Bowling. Uh, and we've got another episode today of the Striking Kicks podcast. Kenz, what, what is our schedule? What are we looking at? What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about League Week 2 and 3. We're going to talk about Storm Utah Open. We have a good conversation with Brad Miller and Chayton. And then we just have a question for everybody at the end. Perfect. All right. Well, um, I guess let's first start it off with uh, this conversation that uh, Brad Miller and I had at the Storm Utah Open. It was on the uh, Saturday qualifying squad. Uh, I was in the middle of it. So we're going to we're going to clip in here. Uh, basically, you're going to watch some bowling that was taking place. Uh, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube or one of the clips and uh you're going to hear about Brad and I talking about uh, kind of the future of bowling and, and bowling media and, and uh, just kind of where things are heading. It was a really good conversation that he and I had uh, that I think a lot of you guys will appreciate. So uh, let's split it in right now. Uh, so I have a question. When, how long ago did you, did you start championship bowling? I did, yeah, 20, March of 2021. March of 2021. Yep. And what was your original goal with it? Uh, so initially, we, we have the Storm Northwest Tour, tournaments like these. There's a lot of good competition out here. And uh, and how uh, often do they run? Probably once or twice a month Okay. In the, in, during the season. Um, a lot of the guys from Storm Bowl, right? There's a lot of Steve Klemkin, Alex Hoskins, Kendall Miles, Giorgio Clinas. Like these guys are probably good enough to be on tour oh, if yeah. they wanted to be. And uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of good talent, and no one saw it. And we, initially, you couldn't even find information on the tournament. So I just wanted to post online, bring some, uh, uh, I don't know, youthful feeling stuff so that people knew that where these tournaments were taking place, that they were even happening. And uh, so I started start, I brought a camera to the tournament and started live streaming it, and we just kept growing from there. I don't, just kept so it originally there. started out as you wanting to live stream tournaments? But basically, bring in from, I was going to live stream myself, right? But then you move pairs, and it's like, I don't want to carry all this shit around. And oh, yeah. It, it was too much. So I just set it up, set it, and then sat, brought a mic one time and started calling the action, then interacted with the chat. And Do you know how many viewers you had on that first live stream? Oh, man, probably like 10. Three? Maybe. <laughs> it's an absolute max. <laughs> and now you're sitting here with 500, man. Isn't that crazy? I know. It, it, it is, it's pretty humbling to see how far we've come in such a short time. We, this time last year, we were eclipsing 1,000 followers on Instagram, and now we're 10K on everything. Right? Yeah. 17,000 on Facebook. We just hit 10,000 on YouTube. And I don't know, man. It, it, it's been really humbling to see, watch it grow. And we hosted our first tournament in September. We hosted a tournament. Uh, it was it was awesome. We had like 209 entries. The entry fee was 160 bucks, and we paid 5,000 to win and 23,000 total in prize money for the tournament. So it went super well. The format was unique. We did, we kind of took pieces of every tournament we liked, some from this tournament. Uh, we did a double elimination bracket on Sunday that turned out to be really cool. It was best of two matches. So we kind of pulled that out of the PBA League book. And uh, so in hopes that would just create drama, like some of our favorite calls are when matches are close and stuff and everybody's watching. So we just kind of want to try to bring more of that. And the matches, I mean, worked perfect. So, but there were so many ties that went to one ball roll offs. And the last match, Clay lost to Alex. They split, lost in the roll off, went to another one because he was in the winner's bracket, split again, and then went three more rounds in the roll off. We had a kid here, Kyle Morrison. He's, he's actually bowling really well now, too. Uh, lost because the guy he was bowling went to a roll-off. He 10-pinned. Kyle Morrison steps up 7 tenths to oh. lose. Oh, it was such a bad beat. 
<laughs> I feel like I know Kyle Morrison for some reason. Is he he's tall bold. guy? Yeah, he's tall. He's, yeah. he's a big dude. He yeah. throws it really good. He's maxed the ball at the bottom. So. Yeah, dude. Well, it's it's really crazy to see what's happening on the internet with, mm-hmm. with bowling. It is. And it's like when if you look at the old model of for for the PBA for the for a professional bowler you know for for money to come in you had to be on national television sure sure it just that was the only that's the only place where sponsors were yep it's yep. the only way you can get in front of an audience exactly and now the players can almost build their own brands mm-hmm. I don't want to say just as big as the PBA but like yeah they can make they don't have to have the PBA to make a living sure anymore. sure not only that at the in the same breath they don't have to have the PBA to make a living anymore but in the same type of content, they promote the PBA to exactly. hundreds of thousands of people. Exactly. Potentially. Yep. So it's a win-win. It's like for the PBA, you're like, yes. Yes. My players are finally making a living. Sure. And they're doing it by promoting us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. It, it's it's really good to see. I remember, man, it was so long ago, and I watched your guys' like first, one of your first, like, four vlogs that was on this. I could tell you used some, like, canned pre-made like title screens and stuff I, i've been there I, trust me but i just remember how far you guys have come from when you had like four thousand subscribers to where you're at now and how that's kind of cascaded to a lot of people just putting themselves out there and trying it yeah and, and have success with it because like you said we also one of the benefits to this is we bring some value to the tournament director that it's going to be seen like the last tournament we did in idaho pocatello at, like that stream sunday stream has forty thousand views like it blew up pretty good. This one, both the last one had 10,000 views before we were even, not even on the VODs, the video on demands, but this one's almost at 10,000 already. We got three squads to go. And Sundays, I'm hoping we get to 100K because yeah. Sundays are always so big. So we add a lot of value to the tournament so that you can go, like, there's more than the 100 people that will be here or in this extreme case, there's 700 people that might be here. Yeah, well, what's, what's crazy is let's say I know the bowling world isn't on Twitch really. Yeah. Um, the gaming world is. Sure. But let's say if this was a gaming uh, live stream on Twitch right now and it was getting 500 con- concurrent viewers, if your Twitch channel gets 500 concurrent viewers, mm-hmm. people make a really solid living off that Yeah. on yep. the Twitch. Now, the monetization stuff is different between is. YouTube and Twitch and whatnot, but just literally in terms of reach, mm-hmm. like you already have a reach yep. big yep. enough to potentially make a living and... The, the direction of the world is going in that direction. So the internet's only going to have more uh, yep. sponsors coming up. Yep. Uh, you know the sponsorship dollars are. It's and you already seen that Amazon has Thursday night football. Yep. And uh, now Sunday is going to be on uh, YouTube. I think. Okay. Or yeah, I did. Like, yep. YouTube. Like it's already that. all going to the internet. Right. So if you like right now currently you have something that you can make a living off of. Yep. Maybe it's not right now bringing in the exact cash flow. Sure, sure. But you have the audience for that mm. to happen already. Yeah. That's amazing. It, 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 we, I'm very proud with what we've been able to do. We've laid a lot of groundwork to build off of. In the future, we want to run more of our own tournaments, start making like a little mini tour and kind of expanding that out to bring stuff like this. Where like we have some professional bowlers, but we also have amateurs putting themselves out there, seeing what it takes. You know to what bowl I think you should do? This level. Since you like, are you a guru with all this stuff? Do you like setting up all this camera stuff? And I mean, it's a lot of work. It, it is a lot of do, work. That's why I don't like to do it. But I think what people could do is, or you could take, like, Alex, maybe Klumpkin, uh, mm-hmm. maybe the five best bowlers sure. yep. uh, around town. Mm-hmm. 
and you set up a, a setup like this, one pair, and you get a couple cameras down lane by the pins, you mic them up, mm -hmm. you have them bowl up, you do exactly what the PBA does. Yep. You just steal their model. Yep. You have a one-game bowling, yep. and, but the difference is they're mic'd up, and you can they're talking like exactly. as they're going. Yeah, exactly. So it's like really inclusive. If there's people who don't necessarily care for each other, then yep. there's a little bit of drama. Yep. If you can find a sponsor, let's say like it's invitation only, mm -hmm. but if you win, it's five grand. So yep. no entry. Maybe there's a hundred dollar entry fee, two hundred dollar entry fee just to cover some expenses. But winner gets five grand, second place gets a thousand. Mm -hmm. I'd show up for that. Yeah. And you'd, you'd mic me up, we'd bowl a game in, and we would just bowl, and then you would just plaster. You would plaster it all over social media. Like all, all platforms, Instagram. You would stream it on YouTube, but after the fact, you would just clip, 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 have all the fun parts, have all the crap talking parts, have all the unlucky parts, all across TikTok, Instagram. Because if you run an hour and a half stepladder, that's that's months worth of content you oh, yeah. can put out. Oh, yeah. That's interesting content because they're really good bowlers. Yep. They're mic'd up so they're that they up. can yep. say whatever they want. It's the internet. You can say yep. whatever you want. <laughs> and uh, it gives the players a personality and it's also bowling good drama for decent money. Yeah. So it's basically like right. people can run their own PBA shows now. Kind of. You know? Yeah. And yep. If you have the equipment right. and you know, if you know how to like set it you up. Know how, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that would be cool for someone to do like just set up their own top fives and and we'll see if there's some crap talking going on right, or you know right. see if it builds into something. Yeah. Maybe that gets gets a sponsor because of all sure. the all the clip content that gets posted out. Yep. Maybe a, a good sponsor sees it, they want to donate ten grand. Next thing you know, you got a little five person step ladder, first place is fifteen thousand. Yep. That's almost more than a PBA right. tournament. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? That's uh it's kinda of like our turn of the five thousand it pays more than most regionals do when we, we did the five thousand dollars. But you know, you you got a really good point and we uh we kind of hit a plateau at one point, and it was just me and Kenzie would kind of help out. But I really brought her in the fold, and I was like, you know, we need more content for the rest of the socials. Like our Instagram wasn't growing, Facebook wasn't growing a ton. So then we invested into a little bit a camera, and then she started taking pictures of people, taking videos of people, and we cut some out of the stream and really hit hard. Instagram and Facebook and posting reels and all this other stuff with that camera, and then all of a sudden it started to blow up since then. So yeah, you're right. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that amazing how it just happens? Yep. Yep. And it, honestly, you can't even it's, – it's tough. Like, you need advice. Mm -hmm. And there's people who know a lot about this stuff. There's content creators that are yep. really, really good, yep. particularly Jesse, like Darren's mm -hmm. partner. Yep. Like, I don't know of another video editor that's in the industry that's better. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know if, like, Jason Thomas is better from USBC. I don't sure. think the PBA has a video editor that – so I actually think, like, Darren, mm -hmm. a social media professional bowler, sure. has the best editor in the industry. Yeah. A, a YouTube channel. Yep. Not the PBA. No, yeah. Not the USBC. Mm -hmm. And it shows because now they're they're crushing. Yeah, and they are. They are crushing. They are crushing. Like, and it just, like, makes everybody try to they're keep up. They're reaching, numbers, and they're reaching numbers Colin and I have never reached. Yeah. And they're putting Colin on a spot where it's like, we got to do better. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. So, all, you know, what is, what is the saying? Like, all tides, all tides rise or together okay, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like, you know, we, Kyle and I started when there was nothing. Yep, there was nothing. And then we got Darren to kind of catch on. 
got himself a Twitch channel. Mm -hmm. He met Jesse through Twitch. Really? Wow. And I think Darren might have started the Twitch channel on his own, but every video we had, we allowed him to say mm -hmm. where the Twitch channel was, mm -hmm. what it, vitamin detain, yep. you know, or whatever. Got him a few followers. Jesse got involved, and then now, bam. Yep. They're off and running. Mm -hmm. They have a beautiful business. They have a beautiful relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that beautiful relationship and business is probably the best thing going yep. for the PBA, yep. for the USBC, for the amateur stuff. Yep. You know? What people don't realize is when, when his video does really good, the suggested video that's on there is usually someone else's video that also creates in, in the same space. So you're one of your videos, maybe one of ours, Beef and Barnsley's video. Like, exactly. It's suggested. So the more better he does, better everybody else everybody does. else right that's but that was never that was national television doesn't think that way no nope you know and, and you you hear it with like the comedians that have mm -hmm. all these podcasts now they they talk about those days where everybody was just fighting for a, a you know a 20 minute spot on national television on uh david letterman on something and it was so cutthroat and it was nasty and people would sell their souls to undercut people just sure. to get that spot of fame and what the internet has brought is just it's it's all together. We yeah. we like in a way Kyle and I need Darren and Jesse to, to right. just you know create the new bar. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe there's another kid that'll come up that uh, graduated from video editing school that thinks he can do it better, he's motivated, he goes out and does it better. That makes all of us better. Right. Now Packy's got a channel yep. that's doing really good. Both I mean Darren just hit a hundred thousand, Packy's about to hit a hundred thousand, and they're gonna do it in less than two years. I think Darren might have done it in a year and a half. I don't know how long he's been doing it. It took Kyle and I two years to get to 9,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. And now all it takes is a person to go, I want to do this. And they can have a business that supports them fully, mm -hmm. you know, in a year. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't even. So it's just so far off and running. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. There's one of these kids, Lance Hill, in the uh, in the chat here. Are you Do you TikTok much? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lance Hill's 100K on TikTok. He's, he's big time on on TikTok, and that is a growing community now, too. As oh that gosh. blows up, there's more bowlers in there. I've seen some people, they have, like, 10,000 people in their live stream. They're just oh, yeah. live streaming practice and messing around and stuff. Or on, they do a, a uh, ASMR right, drill yeah. that gets 1.5 million views. On TikTok. It's crazy. And to think, like, yeah, that might not monetize, like, a YouTube, 1.5 million YouTube video would monetize. And, yeah, maybe that's not as valuable to, like, your personality because you're not really talking to an audience sure, you're just sure. kind of giving them a short piece of but to get a to get 1.5 million people to see anything yeah like that wasn't really existent nope. 10 years ago nope. and now you could just drill a ball no one knows who you are and now everybody knows who you are right overnight exactly. i hear you baron's got us a rising tide lifts all boats there we go that's that's the one it was uh no, but I, I, I hear you, man. And honestly, I, like I, all of us, I think, owe you guys the thanks that started it. You guys kind of started that revolution of young talent in the PBA that started doing the content creation thing that's led to all of this. Because, like you said, it's hard. When you start out and there's no other people in the, in the field. Oh, we got... You, get, you just create content for nobody, basically. We, there's no way we would have done it if Flanagan wasn't on our side. Mm -hmm. He's the one who he taught us how to edit. He told us to watch Casey Neistat and David Dobrik on YouTube. We were making our videos based on Casey Neistat and David Dobrik. <laughs> yep. You know, like yep. they were the two biggest YouTubers at the time. Yep. There were no bowlers. Nope. 
So, and Kyle and I differed. I liked Casey's videos, longer format. He liked Dobrik's videos, shorter format. Mm -hmm. So you could all, actually, back in the day, you could always tell who edited the video. <laughs> right. Because if it was a lot of short uh, cuts, and it was uh, Kyle, if it was more longer format, it was me. Yep. Um, but now, you know, the Packy's format, Darren's format, Darren's format is its own because it's so good mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. Packy's format is just like ours and that's exactly what you need like there's only so much you can do yep. you know Packy's not a, a, a amazing video editor he's a guy that wants to be the next Tiger Woods of bowling in a lot of ways he shouldn't even have to run this YouTube channel to make a living sure, sure. in a lot of ways that's like kind of the PBA's job yeah but it's also a blessing in disguise now because you mm -hmm. see a lot of these professional athletes you see a lot of people on the golf tours complaining about the rights and the money yep. and you see people in the nfl complain about the money you see people in the nba complain about the money you see people uh ufc is a big one complaining about the money yep. like the biggest superstars in the world the past 10 years have probably come out of the ufc yet that's where you see the most complaining mm -hmm. about how they run the company where the money goes sure. so you know that if you go on the pba tour if you try to become a professional athlete it doesn't matter if that organization has $95 billion. Mm. There's still going to be some unhappiness coming out of the players. And if you could have your own thing yeah. that supports you, mm. you don't even have to give that a thought anymore. You could just focus on your own thing and take all those negative emotions that you have toward your association, sure, sure. and you could just throw them away. Yeah. They don't affect you as much anymore. Sure, exactly. So it's like really... It's kind of life-changing in a yeah. lot of ways. No, so bowling, bowling has interesting stories, and just no one told them before. No, like no one knew them about it. This, this is unique to bowling. Tell me a sport that has something like this. Their professionals will compete at the same time as amateurs, and they're both bowling for $2,500 and a title in an organized competition outside of college. Like, other sports just don't have this. And yeah. this is a, to a story that no one, no one tells. Like, when I brought Kenzie, Kenzie doesn't come from bowling. She had no idea this even existed. She's maybe seen the PBA on TV once, but no idea that this exists where we're packing a bowling center and there's so many people. I mean, 10,000 people have already watched this stream. Like, the story just wasn't being told, and we wanted to tell it because there's this is interesting. This is what this is where it starts, in my opinion. If you want to get to the tour, you can go through college, but maybe you wanted to play a different sport in college. Maybe you were a football player, you play, play basketball or something, and you didn't choose to play. That's, that's what I did. So I, I bowled as a youth. And I played baseball. I went to college for baseball. So, yep. There's a lot of kids like that. We had this kid. He's also pretty big on TikTok. Bowl our tournament. That played football in high school, and then didn't go to college to bowl, and now bowls. Like, cause there's organized competition for it, where there's not for basketball and football at at a, at least a league level or a tournament level like that. And for people that have a competitive spirit, I mean, this is perfect. If you can it's get the them best. into bowling, they want to come. They want to compete. Yeah, and think about how many just two aspects that i think about bowling is it's worldwide yep and it's taken a lot more seriously in other countries mm -hmm. than it is here so just that alone if you if you release a bowling video there's a chance someone from any other country in the world oh, can yeah. see it oh yeah so now granted if you release a football video yeah but how big is football in other countries sure it's not yeah That's so point. just in terms of potential yeah like how much more potential does bowling have just because it's worldwide for one secondly who's 60 years old and playing football Sure. Who's 70 years old and playing exactly. football? Who's 90 years old and playing football? None. So on those two things alone, I feel like bowling should be bigger than football. You, you, but it's not. Yeah, it's right. not even a 100th sure. of what NFL is. Right. 
And the way we get there is doing exactly what you're doing. Yep. You got to broadcast it from the ground up. Yep. You got to build it from within. You know, the, the idea of like going on Fox and uh, getting national t television airtime, yeah, that's important and it's an aspect, but the world is changing. And if bowling can take advantage of it, if, and the people who are taking advantage of it right now are the players, but if the PBA or the USBC can lean into that, and it's possible that bowling can be the biggest sport in the world. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Like, actually the biggest sport in the world. Could, be, could you imagine that? Yeah, I, could, I, could hear, I hear you. Like, how many more happy faces there would be, you know, maybe uh, Storm's, you know, not as worried about their bowling balls being illegal now or sure. whatever, you know, or the, the animosity between the PBA and the USBC. And the, like, you know, who knows? Like, yeah. a lot of things can change. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, more money, more problems. Right. But, you know, I'll take that, you know. <laughs> I, I would, too. I, I hear you. I, I think we're starting to head. There's there's powers that be now that are pointing in the right direction. Oh, yeah. I think. And we just need to keep building momentum on and it. I love guys like Blanchard, you know, mm -hmm. player, wanted to make a change, started working for him. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately went to the company that he cares about the most. Mm -hmm. And from within, yep. you know, starting where he wants to start. I think Blanchard is probably going to run the PBA at some point. Like, so? like yeah. Or he'll be like the, the national tour tournament director or whatever. Like, sure. He'll be the main guy out there. But he's starting in the Northwest. Sure. You know, like, and and he, he, get, he you know, he was probably 34, 35, maybe 36 when he got done bowling. That's, that's around a good age. Mm -hmm. If you have a family, if you have all this stuff. And uh, clearly it wasn't necessarily working out as a bowler as it is for most people. Mm -hmm. So he took that, kept his motivation, and decided to get in the company and start making changes from within. Yep. Yep. I respect the heck out of that, man. I, yeah. And it's people That's like that respect. who are going to change the sport. Yeah. All right. Well, there's that conversation with Brad. It was a really good conversation. Uh, Ken's, how did, how did, what, do you, what do you think of it? I think it's very informative, and I think that – um, a lot of the information is definitely good to listen to. So make sure you don't scroll past that. Make sure you listen and um, just listen to what they're saying. A lot of it seems like it. that is the way that bowling is going to be going from from what I've heard. We hope so. so. We hope so. At least. Uh, I think once we get enough of us pushing the the right direction then i really think that because uh, brad makes a couple really good points about how you know bowling is pretty popular overseas you know where a lot of sports here in the u.s uh, are kind of only popular here in the u.s as far as large scale and, and bowling's pretty popular and taken pretty seriously in other countries compared to us and um yeah if we can get everybody on board uh not only is it going to be popular worldwide but you know folks that you know would just watch other sports like football will be able to also participate participate in the competitive aspect of bowling and I, I think it just benefits everybody so hopefully we can all get pushing in the right direction agreed cool well let's uh, move on to the 2023 storm utah open it's the third time that we've covered this tournament um the first time we were not under championship bowling it was it was under this when i had started this whole thing kind of started under the storm northwest tour facebook page so that's where we kind of started, and it wasn't until after that tournament in, in March, I believe, that we uh, transitioned into championship bowling. But third time covering the Storm Utah Open. 
and uh, it was the biggest turnout yet that we've covered, uh, biggest turnout in the tournament's history. And Kenzie, paint us a scene of, of what it looked like uh, this weekend at Spare Time Lanes. Basically, you could not get anywhere unless you were tripping over someone's bags, running into somebody. Everyone was in everyone's way. So there were just hundreds of people, just whether they were bowling or not bowling, they were everywhere. There were many, many people. Uh, I don't have too much of an issue. The only time that I really like have an issue with is when I'm trying to change a camera battery or something to that extent. You're out there, uh, you know, <laughs> in the trenches, yeah, day. in the trenches, trying to take uh, content, pictures, and videos uh, for us to use, you know, later on in in our socials and stuff. So you kind of get a better feel for just how many people uh, were there packing into to that center, which is not necessarily the smallest center in the world. There's definitely smaller centers out there, but 32 lanes, uh, almost every squad sold out, and uh, obviously it was uh, really good for us. We had several professionals head out, you know, Darren Tang, Brad Miller, Carolyn Dorn Ballard, P.J. Haggerty, Josh Blanchard. There were several uh, you know, big, big names headlining the event, and it brought a crowd to the stream as well, so it was cool to interact with everybody and, uh, and get to know a few more few other people that we haven't seen in the chat too much yeah for sure there's a ton of you guys every single day whether it was friday just getting those first few squads in and then all the way to sunday all the way into the final match there was hundreds of people all day long mm. so it was awesome yeah. what what was your favorite part favorite part of the storm utah open this year I don't know. I like getting to know the crowd that is over there because, like Chayton said, I'm around getting pictures, videos, all that kind of stuff, talking to people. And so some people will stop me, talk to me, ask me, like, how other people are doing, that kind of stuff. So it's nice just to, like, get to know everyone, have those conversations, kind of be that person to maybe get them out of their head a little bit if they're not having such a great game. They'll come and chat for a second, maybe just kind of get out of that that game mentality for a second. So that's probably my favorite. True, Drew. You have a you have a story uh, with PJ on Sunday, don't oh, you? Yeah. Yep. I am. I'm PJ's new coach, actually. <laughs> so sorry, but my books are filled now with PJ's touring <laughs> touring schedule. We're we're a little busy. So, but yeah, I'm I'm PJ Haggerty's new new coach. What happened? Uh, PJ was, he was having a pretty rough, like, set, and he came, he said he hadn't, like, bowled at the, the end of the house, the, the high end, the high end of the house, and he hadn't, the whole weekend, he hadn't, uh, bowled down there until Sunday, and then, um, from what I heard, there were people either having really good games down there or really bad games down there, so I just basically told him that. And all of a sudden he shot 230. So he said, <laughs> if if I if someone told me I was going to shoot 230 in this game, I would have laughed in their face, basically. And so, yeah, then he, he said that it was because of my coaching that well. he shot 230. So in, in some way, in some way, you helped PJ. You were responsible for PJ getting uh, to the step ladder. Yeah. To I getting mean, being that, the third seed. Basically, that's what happens when you're a coach. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Legit. Um, what, uh, 
what moment, what moment was your favorite moment of the 2023 Utah Open? Ooh, I don't know. There was a lot of, oh, I, well, yeah, this one. I think it's super awesome that Manny got as far as he did with how tough it was all weekend. And he just kept like battling through, battling through. And even if he had a bad game, he came back and like was reset and had a good game. Like it was insane. So I think that's probably my favorite moment is basically Manny the whole weekend. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'd have to agree. Manny's performance, uh, you know, he he was in the top three or four for most of the finals uh, at least at, like after like the third or fourth game, he was up there in the leaderboard for quite a while until the second to last game mm-hmm. where he shot 150, right? And it dropped him to on the bubble. He was like either the first or second guy in with one game to go. And uh, he had Brad Miller and Alex. Uh, Alex Hoskins and Marcia that was bowling good. There was a lot of people that were kind of surging late uh, and, and some really big names that have, have – uh, Won some big titles and been in a lot of pressure, and and Manny held them off. Um, so that's kind of we had a little bit of a conversation once it was everything was said and done uh, about the step ladder. Obviously, it didn't end the way he wanted it to in the step ladder, but it got to a point where you know who who tripped the most splits and 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 who got you know, better breaks, and that was Cameron Henning in the end who ended up winning. So mm-hmm. um, no, uh, Dallas Long lost to Cameron Henning, and so did PJ Haggerty. So it's not really something to, to hang your hat on. He was just the guy with the look at that point, but. It was what he did to get to that point. He shot a 150 game, um, and these are things that he could 100% control. Shot 150, and we came back with Alex Hoskins and Brad Miller trying to get in the show, missing it by double digits. He, he, he got in by single digits and, and shot a good enough game, picked some clutch spares late in that game, shot a good enough game to keep him in. Uh, and, and have an opportunity to bowl for a title. And I think that's the highest placing youth bowler is what Steve was telling me that they've ever had, ever. So it was uh, pretty awesome to see the uh, how, how he's grown mentally, um, having to fight. I think he has, he's got some work to do as far as when it comes down to um, you know, ball choice things, and, and these are just going to come with experiences. You can't really make these things up, like knowing what ball to go to or where to jump around on the lane, but... Uh, it's it's uh, exciting to see how mentally strong he's come because a lot of that 150 game would wreck a lot of people when they know that there's guys like Alex Hoskins and Brad Miller knocking on the door uh, and you just gave up what was 40 pin lead over those guys. You gave up from 40 pins to single digits, so one hit somewhere uh, because you shot 150. So bounced back, made the step ladder, and it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but, man, it was, it was exciting to see that last game before the step ladder was... Man, it was intense. There was a lot of guys one hit away from making the show. Anthony Santos, Manny Farrell, Brad Miller, and Alex Hoskins, and Cameron Henning. Five dudes, if they would have split one way or the other, um, another guy would have been in the show. So it was pretty exciting to watch, and it was exciting to share that with everybody else that was uh, in the chat. So 2023 Storm Utah Open in the books, our biggest yet, and uh, we move on from there, Kenzie. Um, so what was what's the next thing that's on the list of things to go over? We're talking about league week two and three weeks two and three of league night. Um, We've got some videos coming out. We made like a little little vlog type of deal uh, documenting Kenzie's 
journey through her yeah. first league. Her first league. Tell us, tell us how it's been going. So week one we talked about last time, which wasn't super great, which is the video we'll be coming out with. Um, week two, we actually bowled with Stu Williams. and True. I That was probably my best week mm-hmm. so far. I shot my high of 131, so yay me. <laughs> and um, week three, we went back, and I was super pumped and excited that I was just going to go in and do as well as I did week two, and I didn't. So, yeah, uh, week three was a little rough. Week three was tough, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kenzie's a competitor. She competes. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't like when she's not good at things. And it's really been a, a difficult challenge to try to to coach her a little bit and, and, and get her to understand, you know, maybe our scores aren't reflecting how much we're improving as of yet. Yep. But we're, we're making some progress. We just drilled her up a night road. A 14-pound yeah. night road. Where it started with a 12-pound tropical surge. I didn't want to overdo it or, or hurt her or anything like that. We didn't know exactly where she was at. So we drilled her a 12-pound surge, and we found we were kind of manipulating the ball too much, I think, in your backswing. You were able to kind of pull it down too hard, and it was changing the ball's trajectory too much. And and I think you could have just handled a 14 in, in the first place now looking back. So we drilled up a 14-pound ball. So... um. And this is a pretty common thing with with people that are new to bowling. If they're getting their first ball, they don't necessarily know what weight to throw, uh, and they might be intimidated with a fourteen pound ball. What would you What would you tell? How does How is going to a fourteen pound ball been? Um, it to me doesn't feel like much heavier. To be honest, um, I still haven't thrown it super well. I don't feel, but um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel too much different from a twelve pound ball to me. So. And you have a fit, right? We fitted you for the ball. Um, it, it feels to you almost stretched out a little bit, right? Because we got you in a fingertip grip. Mm-hmm. The thumb fits nice and snug. Um, but because it, because it, we kind of, I kind of explained to you, we want the ball almost hanging on to you and not the other way around. Because if you're trying to squeeze it, uh, you're going to be using a bunch of small muscles to try to not drop the ball and to throw it. And that's when it's going to start to feel really heavy. So yeah. you're generating your speed from the legs, which is what we should be doing. We're still having a little bit of trouble um, manipulating with our shoulders what we want to do with the ball, so we're really trying to break that habit. I think we, we've we've got your footwork down, and you're consistently taking five steps and, and landing on your left foot, and we haven't had any issues with that. But your timing hasn't been great, and these are things that kind of come with time. you got to just do it, and we don't necessarily practice enough. So that's going to be where she's going to get some practice time in week four because I will be in Chicago and Indianapolis. So I won't be there for week four of league, but week five of league, once these episodes drop, uh, hopefully we've made some progress. Hopefully, because <laughs> that would be the halfway mark. So it will be the halfway mark. It's flying. Yeah. So we'd hope that we're seeing some good come mm. out of it. Speaking of time flying, man, it does not seem that it was that long ago that we had the championship bowling masters. That was back in September, which we're coming up on five months now since that happened. And it doesn't feel like it's been that long. I feel like on like one hand, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But then on the other hand, it also feels like that was a long time ago. Like we've had so much since then that it feels like. That was 
yep. a year easily. Yeah, when we were writing up sponsorship proposals and stuff, we had twenty two hundred Facebook followers. We were little Wang. We were. <laughs> we were small um and since then we're up to almost eighteen thousand facebook followers almost a twelve thousand youtube subscribers we're over ten thousand uh instagram almost eleven thousand crew uh on instagram so uh we've kind of seen some ex- like actual exponential growth since oh, yeah. um we had the tournament really so uh, that's been really cool to see. So we're in kind of uncharted waters. We've kind of started to reach a different a new audience, I guess. Maybe not different, but more people are starting to, to figure out what we're here, what we do here at Championship Bowling and, and how cool that experience was and, and our vision. We've started, we've kind of dropped a little bit of Easter eggs here on the website, maybe here on on the uh, streams or whatever to, to what's to come. Um, and you have a question to pose to the audience. Yeah. So, um, we are going to be starting a tour. And so we're kind of looking for centers that maybe you feel like a center in your area would be interested in hosting a tournament with us. Um, so if you do just drop it in the comments, like where it is, what the bowling alley lanes or bowling alley name is, (laughs) um, just so we just kind of want to know like where you guys would like to see us. We have a couple of places in mind, um, some places that we're trying to work with right now. But obviously, as we get bigger, we would love to get everywhere. Yeah, so. we're gonna start. We're gonna start small. We kind of we started with one tournament, right? We kind of observed other tournaments mm-hmm. and started picking out what we liked best about those tournaments and, and, and made our own event. And uh, that's where we started. We wanted to make sure before we really jumped headfirst into this whole thing that we could do it. And uh, we did, obviously. Uh, I thought it was a, a very good success. Uh, very little things that uh, went absolutely sideways. We learned some things. Uh, most of all, importantly, though, we learned that we could do it. And yeah. um, we're excited to bring this vision to more people mm-hmm. and uh, show more people what... Uh, what we see is the kind of the future, the, where we're headed uh, in in the competitive game of bowling, and, and that's kind of why we call it championship bowling. We're not we're not necessarily a professional organization, but it's not really amateur either. It's everybody, right? Mm-hmm. We're every we're all bowling kind of for championships, um, and and we have kind of a model and, and a vision for. We want people to be able to get better, feel that they have fun and can compete within their own skill level, and then eventually get mixed with those of higher skill levels. So that then you get a kind of a taste at where maybe you're lacking. What what do you need to work on to, to, to get over the hump and, and to move forward? So we've got some really cool concepts coming. We're talking to, to centers around the area. Uh, we're going to start kind of small. I think we're right now looking at probably four dates mm-hmm. for the inaugural season. Uh, we have a tentative schedule right now on the website. Uh, not necessarily names or locations yet, but we have some dates that we're thinking of. And you can only see those on championship-bowling.com. Uh, we're, we're, we're just getting things set up. Thing, the groundwork is, has been laid, and now we're starting to kind of just slowly build it up. And I'm thinking probably sometime in February March we'll have an official announcement uh, of the actual dates that they will be, which I hope don't change much. I hope the tentative dates stay what they are. Uh, it's really just nailing down the locations that we'll be in. And we've got some pretty cool things that I think if they work out um, – I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. And back to what you were saying about um, 
basically championship bowling, we just want everyone to be able to feel like they can compete. Mm-hmm. We also want those people that maybe aren't interested in the competing aspect to come and have fun. So we want it to have that event feel, mm-hmm. which we feel like with the championship bowling masters, we were able to portray to everyone. We had games, raffles, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think we'll, we'll keep that also so that your friends and family that want to come and watch you, um, whether it, they come and watch, mm-hmm. they can watch on the stream, they can watch it in person. And then there's going to be stuff for them to do there too. So yeah. I think it was actually kind of interesting to see people when they came in, they were kind of, I think they were kind of taken back a second when yeah. they saw all the stuff we had set up and, and prepared for them. You wouldn't necessarily feel this way at a, NASCAR race or a basketball game or anything like that or football game but we walked into a bowling center and you see like we have this prize wheel set up that had you know was sponsored by Rumby and mm-hmm. and you could win you know swarm swag or, or a free meal here or there uh, some of the the raffle items that we got donated the merch that we had you know, we had a lot of different things that normally would never see at a tournament. And I think yeah. people were at first were like, well, what is this? Because we had to kind of coax people like, hey, come on, yeah. spin the wheel. <laughs> Let's try yeah. to get you something. And they, they didn't know what to do at first because they'd never seen something like that. So Yeah. And it was fun because at the, the beginning, everyone was kind of a little hesitant on the merch stuff. Like, oh, what the heck? That's that's weird. Like, that's interesting that it's here. But by the end of the day, or not end of the day, end of the tournament, um, everyone's like, oh, I need to get this cup. I need to grab mm-hmm. this crew neck, this T-shirt, whatever. And then sometimes some people were like, oh, I wanted this cup, and someone already grabbed it. Already so grabbed it, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, and we could, we had to, keep, we had to keep people off the spin wheel because it was, it, it was kind of loud, yeah. <laughs> and it was right behind some of where the competitions lane were. So yeah. we had to kind of pump the brakes on it. But at first, like we couldn't get anybody to really want to do it. We had to like pull them over, come on over. And then, it, then it, people were asking us, like, how can I spin the wheel? How can I get one of these yeah. pieces of merch or a sticker or something? So, Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, we've, we've got some really good plans. Uh, we've been to a lot of tournaments. We've been to a lot of tournaments at this point. Kenzie came into this about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Probably never didn't even know that competitive bowling was really a thing. And now she's been to <laughs> a lot of tournaments. More tournaments than probably 80% of all bowlers have ever been to at this point. <laughs> And uh, so we have we have a, a good understanding of what a good tournament looks like, what maybe not a great tournament looks like, and what we want our events to look like. And uh, we're just excited to bring these visions out to everybody, and, and hopefully, it uh, we can capture a different audience. Because yeah. we we uh, we had a lot of people in the chat when we did the Utah Open that either didn't bowl tournaments and wanted to Mm -hmm. or didn't bowl league and wanted to get a new ball for themselves or didn't even know that amateur events like this took place it was only in the highest level of of professional bowling so uh, and that and that darren tang a professional bowler was bowling in one of these events right so bowling's unique in that this you can as an amateur make money bowling as a youth bowler make thousands of dollars of scholarship. You could put yourself through school. It used to be just straight making cash, right, and then paying your bills at, at, at college. But now you can make thousands and thousands of dollars in um, and, and in bowling scholarships and put yourself through school that way. So we have some pretty good – we have some really cool ideas, and at this point it's just, it's just ticking. Time's just ticking, and we're ready to get them – roll them out. Well, and it's – like bowling is also unique – in that you can bowl with a professional bowler. Mm. Like, um, 
in baseball, I'm not going to get to play a baseball game and get to play with Aaron Judge, even though that would be really cool. <laughs> I like that's not a possibility necessarily, but in bowling, like you can, you have the opportunity to meet those people that you are looking up to, ask them questions, pick mm-hmm. their brain, learn from them. And I think that that's something really unique to bowling and something that just really helps bowlers, whether they're an amateur or another professional. Like they, the whole time at the mm-hmm. Storm Utah Open, they were picking each other's brains, all of that. Yeah, and you really you bring up a good point of uh, you know players picking their brains, and, and you really get to see kind of the the skill level difference between you know some of the professional amateurs and and the actual professional bowlers. And and Darren made a move on five and six uh, at the Utah Open. Uh, five and six was the worst, one of the worst pairs that we could see at least. Mm-hmm. Um, no high scores were coming out of it, uh, and he started the first three frames like face two eight ten face uh, looked totally lost. Uh, and he was playing in with a phase two and made, you know, a 30 board move right. And rarely is it the move to move right like that. But he made 30 board move right, shot a buck 80. That's probably, you know, he probably wasn't happy about it, but he was happy to not shoot 140, uh, which easily could have happened on that pair. And you get to see those things, right? The system just isn't set up that way in, in other games. Like you just aren't going to play a baseball game against Aaron Judge or, or any professional baseball player like that because it's not set up. But uh, in, in this field, uh, with how bowling's just kind of set up, you could play, you could bowl against a Darren Tank, and and you could beat him. There are some people. There's quite a few people that beat Darren Tank in this in this tournament. When with the way the format works out, and now how hard the the lanes had been being, and and, and it's competitive. You know, when you walk into some of our events, um, it's not. You know, you're gonna have to bowl good, but there is a possibility you're going most likely gonna bowl against some pretty elite level talent at one of the the cbt events um but yeah it, it's going to be competitive you we want you to have fun we want you to you know qualify kind of in your own skill level division and then once we do kind of like the finals format advancers round or whatever that next round is we we mix you together uh and then you get to kind of see the, the level of difference that you are well how do you get to that if, if you know if you're if you're never incentivized like some handicap tournaments can do to bowl better, to get better, because then you just lose handicap, and then you can't compete at that level. But uh, in ours, it's always going to be scratch, and we want you to kind of qualify always in your own division so that you get you know, a feel, am I the best in my division, my skill level? Mm-hmm. And then once you get past that, I've made this cut. Now I'm bowling against people that are a much higher skill level. What, how, what is it going to take to get to there? And you're never going to know if, unless you are there, unless you see it firsthand, yeah. if you, unless you either watch it or you bowl against it, or you get beat by it, or maybe maybe you you know pop a two thirty off it and and you snag a win, and you can see what what did I do good there that you know someone else didn't. So that's uh, that's what's unique about bowling. We we try we're going to try to capitalize on that and, and just bring it different. We don't want to be the same as other sports because if we do that, we'll never win. We need to be ourselves and uh, own it, and, uh, and that's what our plans are with the with the CBT. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and we're excited to get these announcements rolling again. It's just a matter of time at this point. We've uh, laid a lot of the foundation down. We're just slowly building up on top of it, and uh, I'm thinking, like I said, March, February, Marchish. I think we'll have a lot of official announcements. Uh, we've got a really, we just, we got a lot of cool systems in place, and and just a lot of cool stuff for the the people that follow us and the people that want to compete to to interact with, I guess. And, I don't. Know, we're just really excited to share it. It's hard for it's hard for me to keep it in because it's uh, 
I'm pretty proud of some of the ideas that we've uh, been able to create and and where it's going to go. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm excited for where we end up. So cool. Well, that's episode two, Ken's episode two of the Striking Kicks podcast. I hope you all enjoyed uh, some of our perspectives, some of Kenzie's perspectives. PJ, you owe Kenzie one. She's the reason, <laughs> essentially, how you got uh, to second seed in the step ladder. Ended up being third, but you know, you, you, you probably should have tipped her. Maybe just a little, <laughs> but it's okay. It's all right. You do us a solid, and you show up to one of our events. Then we're, we're we even. We're we're good, <laughs> guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Striking Kicks, and we'll see you in the next one.